From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. And we welcome you back to another episode of The Revealing. I am uh, Robert Engel with my good friend and brother, friends and brothers, uh, Chris Wing and Frank Salvaggio. Uh, we are uh, blessed to be here around the table once again and blessed that you are around it with us, so to speak. Um, we are continuing uh, this week a study in the book of Ephesians. We call it a study. Uh, it is more of an overview, I think. Um, if you want to get into a study, uh, we hope, number one, you are um, taking these things on your own. But number two, we, uh, as we mentioned last week and have, I think, every episode in this series, uh, we always, not for our sakes, but we just want to equip you and and uh, let you know that we are doing an exhaustive uh, study on the book of Ephesians uh, at our home church um, at One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, um, online at onebaptistjacks.world, on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, where you can access former episodes of this podcast and former messages of our Wednesday, uh, our Thursday night uh, studies and our Sunday morning studies. And um, and we also have some material uh, that we printed and and uh, even have an electronic version that we uh, are willing to make available to you should you need that um, to, to just um, complement or supplement, I should say, the the things that we're discussing here um, and to just equip you. And if you're a pastor and you want to take these things and, and uh, preach them and, and teach them to your people, or if you're just a Bible believer and wanting to grow in the Lord or, or, or wherever you are on that spectrum, we want to be a resource to you. And, and that's why we do what we do uh, for His glory and um, to uh, um, edify the saints and to uh, um, be be a resource and to help equip you. So um, we uh, definitely want to be available to you for that. Uh, but with, without uh, further ado, um, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this week. We are taking, um, trying to take an episode um, and cover each chapter in the book of Ephesians. And so, of course, last week we finished up with chapter 3, and, and we find ourselves here as Paul continues uh, this letter to the Ephesians in, in chapter 4. And, um, man, if you were with us last week, we had a, a great discussion on um, what the purpose of the church is, and and um, not just theoretically or, or in head knowledge, but, but it has to start there. We have to know what it is uh, before we can grow in that, before we can actually do that. Um, and that's really what um, we're transitioning to this week, is um, for us, practically and us personally, um, and we're going to see this just right, right from the get-go in chapter 4. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read this for us in chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And then he goes on um, and, and unpacks that, but um, what does that mean for us to walk worthy? Does that mean that we are worthy of our salvation, that we are worthy of his grace and forgive. Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, I liken it to this. If, um, if I um, give um, one of my, let's say I have a, a close family member who, who has passed away and um, was an organ donor and, and another friend of mine receives um, an, an organ of one of my close family members who has passed, I would expect, I would hope 
that that recipient would walk worthy of the gift that they have received, um, treating that organ, treating their lives, their bodies, worthy of that, so to speak. Um, we have been given much more uh, in Christ, um, spiritually speaking, and we are called to walk worthy of that, uh, of the, the gift we've been given, um, of um, the, the, the grace that he has bestowed on us um, to do something with that, of the, the, the book he has given us, his spirit that indwells us, the time that he gives us. All of these are gifts, um, and we have a calling, we have a vocation, and there's, we're called to walk in that, and we're called to walk worthy of that. So, Pastor Frank, what, what does that look like for us to walk worthy, as Paul says, of the vocation wherewith we are called? Yeah, so I think um, if you remember in the last episode, uh, we were talking uh, there about how uh, Paul who was the least of all saints, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this grace was given to him uh, to do what? To preach among the Gentiles the unsociable riches of Christ, to make all men see the fellowship of the mystery, uh, to the intent now uh, that, uh, that, that that everyone would know the manifold wisdom of God. He, he lists, uh, obviously, going through the rest of that chapter there, a whole bunch of things that, that he was, was doing uh, in this uh, vocation that he was called for. Right. And then he says, therefore... <clears throat> I, I, I now you what he's doing is he's saying okay you see how I did this okay now therefore <laughs> you be worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called you were called to do this as well uh, in other words and so uh, he's he's kind of hammering that home and then notice in verse two he, remember when he said in verse eight unto me who am least of all saints mm-hmm. well, in verse two he's reminding them well now you need to make sure you do this with all loneliness yeah. and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love and then verse three is 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 uh, you know it's probably one of the uh, most important ideas uh, around. Uh, the the uh, the function of the coming together of the church, where it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, endeavoring means what? Always doing that, keeping on doing it, like Stri- striving, maybe? striving to do this, and 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 do rem- and 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 let's be reminded uh, that the unity, the same mind, is what he's looking for in Christ. First Corinthians one ten, unity's not will unify under the banner of whatever. Where you the thing that we are to unify under is the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's the unity he's calling for. Because remember, this is the fellowship of who, of him. Mm-hmm. So we're not. It's not that we unify and agree with one another for the sake of. Well, just, I believe this, you believe that, but let's just unify. Let's just hold hands. And no, be- no, that's not what he's talking about here. Again, remember, he's revealing the mystery of the church. He's reme- the, the church is what is at focus here, is, is what's in focus. Hmm. That unity <clears throat> has to take place within the body of Christ uh, uh, under the spirit, as he says here. To keep the unity of the spirit. Right, right, and the spirit's the one that moved men to uh, uh, write the words of God. Right, well, first, 
First Peter 1, 20 and 21, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Yeah. Right. And so he's, 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 he's reminding them that we have a vocation. He's reminding them that uh, we need to be humble in our vocation. And he's reminding them that we need to endeavor to keep the unity within our vocation. And in verse uh, four, five, and six, it's, it's, I mean, he's making, he, he, there's only one body. There's only one spirit. So if you think there's, now listen, there are seven functions of the spirit. Okay. So, so don't get that wrong, but there's only one. Uh, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, there's that calling again. There's one Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, one Lord. There's only one faith. You, you drive behind cars today and you see coexist. All, all paths to heaven. No, no. I hate that. It's Listen, then, the Bible, then throw the Bible out, okay? Because the Bible's making uh, an emphatic statement. No, there's only one faith. There's only one Lord. There's only one body. There's only one spirit. There's only one hope. There's only one baptism. And by the way, that baptism isn't by water. That baptism is of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get into this thing. Mm-hmm. There's only one God and Father of all, uh, who is above all, through all, and all in all. Uh, listen. He's making an emphatic statement of and putting a, 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 a stamp of approval, if you will, on one. We need to be one. Hence the reason why we call ourselves one Baptist church. Mm. And if you notice there, how many of them are there? Seven. There's seven of them. What's the number seven? It's that completion and perfection. So God, you know, pay attention to that because yeah. he's saying that it, and this is the complete package here and this is what you're to be unified under. Not something else. Yeah, and and having this this unity, First um, Corinthians one ten, the same mind, the same judgment, it, it, it is paramount. It is critical. Um, and then, as Paul says here in Ephesians four two, within the context of the local body of Christ or the, the local church, there there is also a, is a relational aspect. Um, here that he talks about in verse two, uh, not just personally in low with all lowliness and meekness, um, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Um, and if we have to forbear one another, that means it's not always an easy work. It's not all. We're not always going to maybe um, feel like loving one another. Uh, we're not always going. It's not going to be a quick thing. Um, it's, 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 as you said, Pastor Frank, something we have to endeavor to do um, just as, as in, in a family. You know, families quarrel. Uh, families have disagreements. Um, but, you know, if my wife and I are, are at odds or are in a disagreement, I'm not going to get up and leave. If she makes me upset over something, I'm not going to just get up and go find another family. Um, but that's how we treat churches. If the pastor says something to offend me... And we think that's okay, too. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Well, it's because I think it goes back to chapter 3. We don't understand the purpose of the church. We, we, we think church is equated to consumerism as opposed to um, what we are called to be. Um, and so if, if I'm not getting something that I feel like I'm owed, if, if something rubs me the wrong way, if I just don't like this and have a different taste for that or am tired of him or her, whatever, then um, I'll just find something else that suits my needs. There's a lot of I, me's, and my's. There was. There was. And and, and we don't treat our families that way. We can't, you know? I mean, Although in the world today, some of us do. Unfortunately. (laughs) But when you you look at that, and you see, like, why is this the case in the church? It's because we don't understand 
who we are and why we are, what our purpose is, and, 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 and not just that, but again, how we are to be in the church, in this vocation, is to be done in lowliness and in meekness. And remember who's, ta- who's saying this, is Paul. And as we mentioned last week, he, 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 Paul had, had uh, not just in his, 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 the revelations he received from Christ and, and the, he was used to pen the New Testament epistles, but he says, in, in, is it in Philippians, where he says that he was um, a, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, mm-hmm. right? Um, a, a, keep, a keeper of the law, a zealous among the, of the tribe of... And, and, and like if he had any credentials to boast, it would have been this man. Mm-hmm. And you just see the humility oozing out of his pen, and it's just... It's encouraging to me, but it's also convicting because a lot of times we we may not say it, but we treat one another in the church like we are better than one another, or or like um, we we treat those in, in in the at work better than we treat people in the church. We treat God's people, and it's um it's a sad thing. And if I could piggyback off of what you're saying there, because that stuff is so true. You were talking about family and how the church is supposed to be one, like a family. And, and when you think about it today, and because you don't see that stuff going on in churches anymore, they're not treating it like the family it's supposed to be. Why would that be? Well, what is the one thing that Satan has really been trying to attack, you know, that you can see uh, very abundantly in the world today, and especially in this country, is the family unit, the family structure. That is under attack everywhere you turn. And why is that? Because if you could dismantle what the family's supposed to look like, and remember, God made the picture of what the family's supposed to look like as Christ in the church, the husband, the wife, and all that. And so that's been attacked and being attacked a lot in today's culture and society, especially here in this country. And so when Satan attacks that, what what does that end up causing a problem with? Well, the church is supposed to be a family. And so that all infiltrates into the church. And so now that family unit is also not saw, uh, looked at the same way it's supposed to as God has outlined it. So when you attack the family, you break down the whole institution that God has set up well, just by that one thing alone. So why why is there more divorces among Christian folks than there are among yeah. non-Christian? You know, you know, at the end of the day, when you go into a marriage thinking that the marriage is all about you and all about what you want and what you need through your partner mm-hmm. and missing what the what the marriage is really supposed to be about, uh, you then become offended when your partner is not giving you what you want and what you need. Mm-hmm. Well, we're doing the same thing in churches. Yeah. Church isn't giving me what I want. Church isn't giving me what I need. Well, the, probably part of the problem is you don't know what you're supposed to want and supposed to need because you didn't read Ephesians chapter three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and God never said we're not going to argue. <clears throat> Listen, Paul Paul had some arguments with some boys. There were some people that he, he you know he he got into some arguments about, uh, but you know they worked through those problems. And and Mark John Mark. Uh, there was sharp contention between him and Barnabas about John Mark. Mm-hmm. Later on down the line, John Mark became very valuable to Paul in the ministry. Mm-hmm. I would say they worked their problems out and did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were some people that were not doing what they were supposed to do, and Paul called them out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, okay. So he's dropping this whole thing here. He's talking about our vocation. And now in verse number seven, uh, uh, very important verse. But unto every one of us, how many is that? All. Every, it's all of us, everyone. right? Every one of us. One of who? Every one of us in this church. Uh, mm-hmm. the brethren. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? He says, is, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ? So 
wait a minute. I get more love than you do, Robert? Mm. Is that is that what he's talking about right here? That, no. What he's saying and why he's saying measure is because the more you give yourself to his work, the more grace he's going to give you. Mm. How about that? Mm. See, when you define something, if you, if you want to just say love mm. or I'm just saved by grace, well, you need to do something when chapter number four, verse seven. What are you going to do with that verse now? But when you're doing his work, he's going to give you more ability and capacity to continue doing that. Doesn't that define grace a lot more better? Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to say that he's going to give Chris a little more love than he's going to give Robert, now we got a problem. Mm-hmm. That Whoa, wait a minute. That don't sound right. And listen, I've heard people say, well, look at he He loved Jacob and he hated Esau. Yeah, so first of all, he was talking about Jacob as a nation, nation Esau right. as a nation. Get, yep. get what he's talking about, man. Come on. You got to put things in their proper context to understand them. No, he gives more grace and the measure of more grace to those that grow in grace. Mm -hmm. Don't you understand that? Unfortunately, probably not. Most people don't. And then, like, I like what he does here because he kind of almost takes a a sidestep to what he was talking about. And in the next couple of verses, he talks about something that almost seems out of place, where he says, Wherefore he saith, when he summed it up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Mm. He that ascended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill in all things. It's almost like, what's he talking about? Mm. What he's talking about is how, how Christ uh, and what Christ did to uh, solidify the gifts. That's what he's talking about. And so what did Christ do? Well, when he died on the cross, he, he, he went to hell. That's where he went. And what did he do? He openly showed himself to the prisoners in prison down in hell. He, he, you know, the things that he did down there. And then, and then three days later, he resurrected and he ascended into heaven. And he took those people that were down in hell in Abraham's bosom and he brought them up there with him. And he started talking about how this uh, uh, gave an open platform to provide gifts to men. So why, would he ta- why would he be talking about that? Because in verse 7, he just said, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ was given to who? To us. Mm-hmm. To do what? Mm-hmm. The work. Mm-hmm. Just work back, and you'll understand exactly what he's talking about. Now, once you hit verse, and, you know, folks, listen, we're, we're skimming through this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that could be said. Hence the reason why I would, I would, uh, and, and we're not trying to shamelessly plug anything. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, please um, come and listen to our series that we are preaching the book of Ephesians. It will be a, a, a tremendous blessing to you because we're really digging into these things a lot more deeper than we are in this podcast. Um, but now watch, because in verse number 11, here we go. We got something now because what he's about to do, he's is he's about to give order to the church. He's about to show you the function of the local church. You can't do what we're about to say right now in a sitting at home listening to church online. I'm not I'm not telling you don't do that if that's what you do. What I'm saying is though. But you, you are forsaking the assembly by doing that. You're missing out on the blessings of Ephesians chapter 2 
uh, where we're sitting and having them places together, there's a whole function to why the local body needs to come together in a church, and there is an order to that. Okay? And now watch what he says. And he gave some, and notice the order, because the order is a New Testament order of how this transpired. He gave some apostles. What did those apostles do? They were the foundation of the church. Right, Isn't right. that what he said over there in chapter number one, I think? Yeah. Is it one or two? Mm. Two, maybe? Yeah. Somewhere in there he said that. Maybe. We probably should get this right. Was it three? No, not three. Bear with us, y'all. I really we, think it was chapter two. We want to make sure. Uh, yes, chapter 2, verse 19, 20, verse chapter 2, 20. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Built upon the foundation of the apostles, right? Yeah. So, 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 okay, he's some, 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 uh, apostles and some prophets and listen, prophet in the Bible is not someone who f- tells the future. A prophet in the Bible is someone who proclaims the word of God. Okay. So, and, and some evangelist and some pastors and teachers. And so listen, I would argue that, that that's the order of the New Testament church. First it was apostles, then it was the prophets, then it was the evangelists, and now we are in the last stage of it, pastors and teachers. Mm. And, and and you go, whoa, wait a minute, so you're saying there's no apostles today? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Are you saying, saying there's no prophets today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Are you saying there's no evangelists today? Well, I think it's interesting that he tells Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, to do the work of an evangelist. Why wouldn't he just call Timothy an evangelist? And he says to do the work of the evangelist. I wouldn't cross hairs there. What I would say, though, is is that certainly no doubt about it, there are pastors and teachers. They were gifts to the church. If you're going to have a church, you got to have a pastor. You can't just have a, a, a home church without a pastor. You know, you can't, you can't do that. That is not the way God ordained this thing. Why? Because God gave pastors according to his heart for what? To give knowledge and understanding. Isn't that what Paul was praying about over there? Ephesians 1, yeah. Okay. You don't have that ability to do that without a God-ordained pastor. Right. you got to have that. That is a criteria of the church. If you don't have that, you're going to have a hard time being strengthened in the inner man. You're going to be why because you just aren't going to have the capacity to understand some things because God has his pastors. You got to have that. It is an important function of the church. And you go, well, I don't know that I agree with that. Okay, well, he's going to tell you exactly why he gave you pastors and teachers in the next verse. Correct. Look, look, for what? The perfecting of the saints. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? What's he saying there? Mature. To mature the saints into what? Why? For the work of the ministry. Because listen, we are all called to a vocation. That we are hopefully, Paul says, that we are found worthy of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what my work is. Well, that's probably because you don't have a pastor teaching you what you're supposed to be doing. You're too busy wanting to get your ears itched. So you feel good when you leave church on Sunday. Well, listen, we're supposed to be maturing the saints. We're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Why? So that the church can start to edify itself. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to go back just a moment on that to the comment that you made <clears throat> uh, for our listeners, uh, we, we are in no way saying uh, you can't understand your Bible without a pastor. Um, 
that's what that's what Jehovah's Witnesses teach. You sure. you need us to. Un- that's what the Catholic Church teaches. Mm-hmm. Sure. You yep. need us to understand. No. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, and I know that's what you weren't saying, and yeah. I think our listeners too. Uh, but just so we're clear, what we are saying is there is something about the God ordained and God given. Um, person and, and, and position of a pastor to help in the perfecting of the saints, in teaching knowledge and understanding, in the edifying of the body of Christ. There is definitely, that that is a gift, and that is a a, um, a, a God-given uh, person in your life, man in your life, <clears throat> Who 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 does that? Who fills that that role? Um, so just so we're clear on that, uh, because there is um, a and lot can, of confusion and, and, there. And can I say, Robert? And and we just don't have the time to dig into what I'm about to say. I'm just going to kind of throw it out there as something to think about. I would say that I potentially think. Hear what I'm saying now. I potentially think. I'm not sure that we get a calling on our life. I, I've even said that I got the call to preach when pastor Billy Wood. this is what, this is what I think. I think any man has the capacity to be a pastor. Any man has that capacity. Uh, Cause first of all, uh, we're, we should be pastoring our wives. We should be pastoring our children. We should be pastoring our friends and our neighbors and stuff. Okay. So any man has that capacity I think what happens is as you dig into the Bible, as you become uh, uh, acquainted with the Bible and really start to study it out, that's when the call comes. Why? Because now you're prepared to do verse 12 that we're talking about. It's the one who's diligent in the Bible that I think is going to get that call and, 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 you know, I don't know that God sat up there and is going, okay, Chris, I'm going to give you the call. Here you go. Ready? There's a call. No. It was Chris prepared himself. He got into the Bible. He's digging into it. And as somebody might be preaching or something like that, he's like, I, I need to be about this. This is this is what I need to be about. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so mm. do what you want with that information. Now, 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 back on verse 12, check this out. <clears throat> okay. Pastor, <laughs> what what does it mean to perfect the saints? How do we do that? Good question. How do we do the work of the ministry? How do we edify the body of Christ? You know, so what, what happens is we, we'll read a verse like that, and we can just kind of run through it and go, well, okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Well, okay, but hold on a minute. How do we do that? Well, isn't it interesting that uh, how many things are there? How many things are there where? How many things is the pastor and teacher supposed to do? How many are there? Practicing the saints. Work of the ministry and edifying the church. Three. Three. Three things. You know what else is interesting? Paul wrote three pastoral epistles. You want to know what else is interesting? If you read 1 Timothy, do you want to know what it is Paul is teaching Timothy to do? Perfect the saints. And if you read 2 Timothy, do you want to know what it is Paul's teaching Timothy to do? Work of the ministry. And you want to know what he's teaching Titus to do over there? Edify the body of Christ. You don't have to make this stuff up. And now, listen. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's awesome. Now, listen. Uh, 
This is the role of a pastor. And by the way, isn't it in 1 Timothy 3 that God lays out the qualifications for a pastor, mm-hmm. for a bishop? Yeah. Bishop, pastor, same thing. Just a different function of the same role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so okay, no disrespect, but all these church trying to find pastors, stuff. Listen, man, remember when we said in chapter 3? Remember when we said if you if you, if you want to know what your church's vision should be and what your priorities should be and your purpose, well, just post chapter three. Well, if you want to know what your past, if you want to know the qualifications of your pastor, I would say post uh, chapter four along with First Timothy three, and there you go. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I just am going to ask, where does it say that he has to have a four year degree at the Southern Baptist Convention? Where does it say that he has to have been uh, this or that? Where does it say that? I didn't read that. I must have missed that. And you know, if, if you are a pastor, um, uh, pastors tend to get burned out on a lot of things that they're not called to do. Yeah. And, and it, it, they're, it, it's good work. Uh, it's a necessary work. But it, it's not necessarily the pastor's work. Mm. And... Um, because we are giving ourselves as pastors to things that maybe can be, um, I don't want to say delegated out, but that can and should be uh, <clears throat> given to others to they might be equipped and matured in, in, in ministry and in other areas of, of the body of Christ. Um, we are taking that on ourselves, even out of good intentions, but we get so burnt out doing all those other things that there's not much left in the tank for prayer and, and for the ministry of the word. And and so our people are suffering because we're trying to meet the other needs that they have. And we're being stretched in different directions and trying to fill certain expectations that shouldn't be placed on us from a biblical standpoint that what our true calling is is not being meted out from the pulpit or in our lives personally because we're just trying to meet everyone else's expectations or go every every whim of what other people our people want and need though that they need that and they but those aren't things that a pastor ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And if you're doing those things, it's not bad that you are, but just know that your primary role is outlined here in Scripture as we're discussing, and anything that impedes that is not a good work. Mm. Uh, I mean, a hospital visit is a good work, but if it's impeding what you're called to do and, and you're trying to do meals for this and visits for that and so-and-so and such-and-such, um, please understand that your primary role is in the Word of God and for, for the people of God. Isn't it interesting that God also gave uh, deacons, right? Well, there are deacons within the church, and so that's what a deacon's job is supposed to do, is to come up alongside the deacons, is to come up alongside the pastor to fulfill those obligations that have been relegated down to the pastor to do, which, again, like you said, is not that it's a bad thing, but that's what deacons are supposed to be for. And as you read the qualifications of a, a bishop, what's after that? Qualifications of a deacon. Yeah. So he, there are administrations and offices within yeah. the church, local church body. So that just the problem is, is take, we, people take all those responsibilities that are for deacons and they put them onto the pastor, and he's supposed to wear every single hat that there is to wear in a church. And like you said, they get burnt out. Well, that's what deacons are for. So, Pastor, feel free to do that if, if that's you know where if you you want to visit, want to do that. Sure. Pastor Frank does that at our church. I do that. Uh, I, I have before. Those aren't bad things, but don't 
don't get caught up in thinking that that is your primary role. And if you don't do it, no one else will. And that's not fair to the other men and other people in your church, potential deacons that you could be equipping for those particular works. Which you should be doing. Absolutely. So I think that just needs to be known. Yeah, amen. Oh, well said. Um, so again, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, why? Uh, so that we're all, uh, so that we all come in the unity of the faith, verse number 13, which by the way, faith cometh by hearing and the, right? Hearing, hearing by, by the, the word, word of God, God, right? And of the knowledge of the son of God. Um, so we, what is knowledge? Remember what Jeremiah 3.15 said. I give you pastors according to my heart to what? Give you knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. And what is knowledge and understanding put together biblically? Wisdom. (laughs) That's what he's talking about. This is the role of the pastor. This is what he's supposed to be doing. All other things are secondary. And as you said, Pastor Robert, we're not saying, Pastor, you shouldn't be doing that. And, And listen, if you're listening the way you view your pastor, be careful. Yes. Don't 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 put qualifications and don't go, well, my pastor's just not doing that. He's not a good pastor. Well, mm. is he teaching you the word of God? If he's teaching you the word of God, if he's perfecting you as a saint, if he's giving you the work on the ministry and he's, he's teaching you how to edify the body, then he's doing his job. Don't put a qualification on him that is not there. Yeah. Okay. Um, or an expectation. Right. Absolutely. And, and again, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto, because this is what we're doing. Why do we want to have unity in the faith? Why, why do we want to have the knowledge of the God? So that we can mature unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the fir- third time now in this book he's talking about the fullness of Christ. We need to be filleth all in all. We need to be. Uh, 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 um, this filling of all, it's Christ. It's, it's your maturing into Christ. That's what it is. That's what this is about. So that, like we said last time, right, in our last podcast, so that it, we can say, I must decrease, so that mm-hmm. he increase, so that our life is no longer our own. It's his. And he's using these vessels for his glory. That's what it's all about. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you think. It's not about your opinions. It's not about what you want this over here or how you want this over here or the church should be like this or or, or the, the, the music should be this or it should be this loud or this soft or they should be playing this or they shouldn't be playing drums or they shouldn't be doing. Stop. It's not about you. It never was. It's about being equipped to be what God called you to be. That's what it's about. And that is the pastor's job, is to do that in you. So why, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine a slate of men, and cunning, cunning craftiness, speaking truth in love. It's, listen, it's not love if you're not giving people truth. Well, that's just too hard, man. I can't believe you said that. Well, listen, if sometimes we got to, you know, we're going to preach passages in the Bible that are hard to hear, but it's the truth. Okay. Uh, why? So that we can grow up into him in all things from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Listen, this body that Christ is trying to form within a local setting is fitly joined together where every piece has a function, Mm. where the weakest link is the problem. 
You're only as good as your weakest chain. And that's what God is trying to say. You know, we could IE insert first Corinthians 12 right now Mm -hmm. and do a study on that right now. Right. It's every part, every part needs to be effectually working together. And so when you have somebody in your body that's not working together with the rest of the body, listen, one of two things needs to happen. And, and, and this is just the reality. Either that cancer needs to go, because a little leaven, leaven with the whole lump. Yeah. Either the cancer needs to go uh, because it's a cancer within the body, or they need to shift their mindset and get in unity with the rest of the body. It's just the reality of the situation, and that is what we're missing today. We're so about tithes and money and stuff like that, not losing people and stuff like that. We just, oh, just love everybody. Oh, well, yeah, I know they're doing that. Oh, I know they're doing that. But, you know, hey, we're just, just try to make everything, everybody happy. We don't want to ripple the waters. Listen, we're not, we're, we are not in this to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. We are in this to make him happy. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is not on board with that, Got to go, man. The door's right there. The door's right there. Got to go. We, we need to be in unity. We need to be in the same mind and the same judgment. There's too much at stake. Way too much at stake. And so this is what Paul is explaining here in this first part of chapter four. Do you see why this stuff is so important? 100%. Is this stuff happening in a lot of our churches today? And no mm-hmm. disrespect. I'm just asking, is it? Mm-hmm. Everywhere, man. Now, now look what he does. Verse 17. This I say, therefore. Now he's about to go on to a different thing. And he says, and testify in the Lord, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Their understanding is darkened, being alienated from the life of Christ through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness in their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all in cleanliness within greatness. But you, but you have not so learned Christ. There goes that whole, we're just a hospital for sinners junk that I see on people's churches. If we're just a hospital for sinners, then you never better pull these verses right out of the Bible. Because what is Paul saying right here? Don't act like that anymore. You have not learned Christ like that. Right. You are something different. You have been changed. You are something new. Start acting like what you are. Don't act like that. That's the vanity of their minds. That's, 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 they're darkened. They don't understand. If you're still, if you're a sinner (laughs) saved by grace, then you are still in your sin. Do you see what you're saying? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, I'm not a sinner anymore. I am a child of God. Do I still sin? Yes, but I am a child of God. And that, when I sin, I am grieving him. I need to understand that. I need to turn from that. I need to start the, the process of maturity. And you say, well, are you sure that? Are you sure what you just said is right? Yes, because watch the rest of the chapter. Uh, it is because um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Uh, we're new, man be in Christ. He's a new creation. New, old, cre- old new creature are passed away. All things have become new. How many things? All. We're not that anymore. Right. This is, and look what Paul says here now. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be... I love how he did that. Mm. If so be, you've heard him. And if so be, you've been taught by him. Put off concerning the former conversation, the, what'd you say right there? The old man, which is what? Corrupt. Put off the old man. Why? Because the old man is corrupt. 
be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Hello, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Right? Be renewed. Put on. Whenever Paul tells you to put something off, he always tells you to put something on. Always. And it's just the reality of it because if you don't put something on, after you take something off, you're going to put something in its place. You're going to go back and put the stuff you took off back on. <laughs> you're going to do that. Yeah, and it makes me think of Romans 13, 14, which says, but Absolutely. put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So when you take off that old man, what are you putting on? Him, Jesus. His righteousness. His righteousness, right. his mind. And by, the way, and by the way, isn't it interesting that in a couple chapters from here, he's going to start talking about something you should be putting on? Mm-hmm. What's yep. that called? The armor, the armor, armor of, of God, God yep. which is, by the way, every single one of those things, the word of God. Yeah. He's telling you what to put on. Uh, and he says, uh, put on this new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. By the way, that word saint, that word saint is a derivative of the word sanctified, set apart, which is a derivative of the word holy. Mm. Stop acting like the sinner you used to be. Start acting like the saint you've been called to be. Mm -hmm. You are a saint. You are sanctified. You are set apart for what? His use. I mean, come on, man. This is what it's saying. And look, if if you just let the scripture speak, this is what he's saying. And look what he says there, how he says it. He doesn't just say created in righteousness and holiness. He says in true True. holiness, which means what? We can have a false one. There's a false one you can have too. Don't be mistaken. He says, put away lying. Put away speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He's saying, stop going against your brother. Stop going against your neighbor. What, what is the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. He, he said, look, look what, do, I don't know what those Gentiles that are, that, that, that are out there are doing. He said, but in here, don't do that. Don't lie. Don't cheat your brother. Don't, don't. You don't do these things. Mm-hmm. Don't be angry. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's sin. Be ye angry and sin not. You know what I do like about that in verse 26? Do read what it says. Mm-hmm. Be ye angry. Mm. It doesn't say don't be angry. It says be ye angry and sin not. Mm-hmm. What? What's mm-hmm. he talking about there, man? Why is he saying be angry? Can I tell you why he's saying that? What he's saying is put on righteous anger because Christ had righteous anger. Just be angry at the right things. You need to be angry at things that come up against his word. That you can be angry about. I could give you Psalm 119 and give you a whole bunch of verses that talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is things we can be angry about. But what he's saying here is be angry and sin not. In other words, if you are angry about something that leads you into sin. No, not that's the problem. When we start judging people, when we get angry at somebody for, or get angry at the pastor for what he just said at the pulpit, well, wait a minute, time out. If that's biblical, why are you angry, man? What you, what you mad at? Mm-hmm. Because when you, now what you're doing is you're sinning. Well, look, read what he's saying here, man. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. You want to know why? Because if you let the sun go down on your wrath, you are going to give place to the devil. Mm. Mm-hmm. The devil's going to get up in there, man, and he's going he's gonna to tear you from that church where you should be. You're going to get so upset, and you're going to run, and you're going to go somewhere else because you let the sun go down on your wrath, and your wrath led you to go to leave where you should have been. I, or maybe you shouldn't have been. I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. 
Let him steal, uh, that stole, steal no more, but let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good, that he may to give to him that needeth. Man, that verse is so, there is a practical verse, part of that verse, and there's a spiritual application of that verse that I would love to get into right now, but we just can't. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that administer grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And he throws us in again, as he did in chapter one, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Well, if you're sealed, can you get out of that? No, you can't lose your salvation, folks. Twice now in the book of Ephesians, he's made the point pretty clear. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, uh, evil speaking. That's not what you are anymore. Do not be that. That's not you. How many times have we seen stuff like this in the church? And then then what we say, well, we're just interested by grace. No. That is... That is not what you're supposed to be. And you will continue to be that. You will continue to show forth anger. You will continue to show forth wrath. You will continue to show forth clamor. And look up the word clamor for me, Chris, because we want to get a good definition there. Evil speaking, malice. We will continue to do all of those things. And can I tell you when you will continue to do all those things? Not only in your home setting or your work setting, but in the church setting. Can can I just offer this? If this is you, if this is something that you partake in, can I just offer that maybe, maybe, maybe part of the problem is you Uh didn't get the pastor who taught you verse 12. Maybe you did, Mm. and you're just grieving the Holy Ghost now. I, I don't know. Sure. But- if this stuff is going on in the church, I'm not going to say it's the church's fault because sometimes it's not the church's fault. Sometimes they are teaching you what you're supposed to be doing and you're you just, just ain't doing it. Stubborn. You're just stubborn. Okay. But but what I've seen in my experience, just I'm just saying my experience, what I've seen is most of the time when junk like this goes down in a church, it's because the pastor was never teaching them what they were supposed to be supposed to be doing. And then you wonder why the people are acting. You want to know why people act like the sinners they are? Because no one's teaching them how to not be the sinners that they are. Mm. And what is your what is your flesh going to do? Mm. Your flesh is always going, in this flesh dwells what? No good thing. And I'm telling you right now, if you let people live in their flesh, their flesh will control them. Sure. And you see it. You see it all. You wonder why churches have splits. You wonder why churches get mad at their pastors and call for the acts of the pastor. You wonder why there's so many fights in churches. You wonder why people are getting divorced. You wonder why kids are not growing up in church and after they get out, after they leave the church, uh, they're, 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 you know, they went to church, but they never got taught anything of any real substance. And then when they, they leave mom and dad, guess what? They're so fed up with the church, they're gone. You wonder why people are leaving the church. Because they say that the church is hypocritical. And you know what? They're right. They are right. It is hypocritical. Churches are very hypocritical. Churches are full of hypocritical people. Absolutely. And you want to know why they're full of hypocritical, hypocritical people? Because they never learned how to edify one another. Edification is the opposite of hypocr- hypocrisy. 
It just is. We need to learn how to rightly talk with one another. We need to work through problems. We need to get... uh, But at the end of the day, can I just say this? But the final authority in everything is this book. Mm -hmm. All of our problems need to be fixed based on this book, not your or my opinion. Because your or my opinion doesn't matter. What does this book say? This is what a pastor's job and role is supposed to be. Okay, And you can only do that with willing people. If you're not willing, listen, pastor, if the person's not willing, you are not obligated. No. Uh, For me, right, Robert? You know me, right? For me, I want the people who want this. Mm -hmm. If you don't want this, man, I love you. Well, it's because you can't want it for them. You can't will it for them. You can't. So you can you can lead them to it. You can't make them drink. Right. You and, can't and make Paul, them desire. Paul it. is making that point evidently clear. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is what you're supposed to be. Stop acting like that. Start acting like this. Stop acting like the old man. This is what the old man did. Don't do that junk no more. Start acting like the new man. Start being who you've been called to be. Pastors, this is how you help your people. This is what you do to train them. You're bringing them into unity this way. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, he says in verse 30, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, uh, what, what, what was clamor? Uh, an outcry, a tumult or grief. I mean, come on. Listen, once somebody starts to criticize the pastor, what is that? That's clamor. You better make sure your criticism is biblically sound. Because if it's not, I got First Peter 5 for you. And, and know how to dispense that criticism. N- know how to yes. um, exercise that, I guess. Because there's a right way and most definitely a wrong way. Sure. You know, and you may be right in, in your critique, but... Don't let it become murmuring. Yes, you know, and mm-hmm. there, there's a fine line there. And and, and I, what grabs me is as as all this that we're saying, concluding this chapter, is the first part of verse thirty, because this is mm-hmm. this is what's happening at the end of the day, right? Grieving mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit of God, and um, I, I was just looking at that word, uh, grieving there in verse thirty, and uh, it it's this um this idea of causing distress, mm-hmm. um, sorrow, you know, uh, t- to make his, his, his spirit heavy, you know, w- when you are grieved, you know, you know how you feel when someone wrongs you, um, and, and how it impacts you. I mean, and, and, and we're, ju- we're, you know, an imperfect people, but, um, the, the very Holy Spirit of God is grieved. He, he is distressed when, when we are in violation of these verses here. And, and Robert, you know, when you said that, what just clicked in my head right there was Acts 20, verse 28. Yeah. Think about what it says right there. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. Mm-hmm. Remember now what Paul's, he's talking to the pastors. Correct. And, and he says, take heed over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers mm-hmm. to be the church of God, which had purchased, which he purchased blood. with his own blood. Mm-hmm. And now you get over here and it says, don't grieve mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. This is, this should not be what is going on in church. Yeah. This is not the place for it. Yeah. And over in Hebrews 13, uh, 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 the writer in Hebrews 13, seven and 17, when he's talking about submit, 
to the authorities, right? Didn't he say something about he's looking out for your soul? And if you start grieving the Holy Spirit, you start doing these things within the church, you start causing problems and issues and stuff that that, that disrupts the unity of what's going on. The, the, the man, the very man who is looking out for your soul, trying to help you, you're, you're, you're sidetracking him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you don't think that's grieving the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Listen, and if we don't think there's a cost for that, And vice versa, Pastor. Yes. Vice versa, Pastor. Yeah. Don't you grieve the Holy Spirit with your false doctrines and your your, your not knowing your call? Mm-hmm. And, and how does he end this? Be kind one to another. Kind of going on what you said, Robert, right? How you do that is going to matter. Be kind. You can say something that is true in kindness. And tenderhearted, you understand. Forgive. Forgiveness is such a lost art in the church today. It just is. We don't have the capacity to forgive. We, we have just... no problem receiving it. Oh, no. No <laughs> doubt. No but, doubt. But to give it. Right? And he says, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. And he's reminding us, there's not an offense anybody could ever do to you that would ever be even close to the offense that you did to God. There's no one could ever come close to doing an offense against you than what we have done to God. Yet he forgave us. Yeah. Now, now, last thing I want to say and I'm done. But forgiveness does not mean acceptance. And what I mean by that is I'll forgive you but it doesn't mean mean I need to accept what you did if if you're not sorry for what you did. Mm. You understand? Does that make sense? Yeah. Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, but he doesn't have to accept you. You better be sorry for what you did. That's the repentance part that leads you to the forgiveness that he gave you. I'll forgive you, okay, but I don't have to accept you. In other words, hey, Show me true, you truly are sorry for what you did. Then maybe we can, we can get back on the right track. But I forgave you, and what I what I mean by that is, okay, hey, I'll be cool with you, man. We're cool. All right, everything's all right. You know, we're cool. But we ain't bros, <laughs> you know, like we were. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't do any of those things again if you are grieving that Holy Spirit of God. It made me think of First uh, Thessalonians five nineteen, which says, "Quench not the Spirit." Grieving and quenching, and quenches to like extinguish. So it's important that we understand that even though we may be sealed by the Spirit of God unto the day of redemption, we can still quench and grieve that, suppress and extinguish and, and push back on the Holy Ghost that's in us. And if we do that, we won't be able to do these things that, that we're called to do and to be, uh, that we just talked about there. We won't be able to forgive the way we're supposed to forgive and do it if we're quenching and grieving that Holy Spirit that's in us. So just because he's in us doesn't mean that we, because it's still always a choice, right? We can choose to listen. We can choose to walk in the spirit or not, or walk in the flesh. And so that's where that, that whole dichotomy of people thinking that, well, if you do that, you know, you can lose your salvation. No, you're sealed, but you're not going to be able to do what you're called to do. The whole thing we're talking about in this chapter 
by the power of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you're quenching and grieving him. You won't be able to forgive. You won't be able to be tenderhearted, kind to one another, and so on and so forth. So that ideology there, that, that, that pointing it out, you can never put too much of an emphasis on it, of, of not grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit is key. But do understand, it is always a choice. We have that choice at the end of the day. God will not force himself on us or take away that free will that we have. Even when we are saved in him, we still have that free will to either quench and grieve the Spirit or to walk in the Spirit. I mean, and that's a big deal. And and, and the, the, the saved, redeemed man of God is going to live that different life, as you said, as a new creature, and seek after those things that, that are we're called to, that those good works, and, and to be like Christ. And so, you know, yeah, he wraps up this chapter really well, and these are the things that we're called to, and this is how you do it. And I want to bring it to a close, as he does in chapter 4, we talked about there in verse 30, the point is to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, and he closes verse 32, bringing it back to him again. Mm-hmm. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so again, at the end of the day, we we are not kind to one another, uh, letting all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from us for the benefit of one another solely or even primarily. Primarily, it's that we grieve not him. And because as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me, so will I then do all these things to my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I mean, these are people we're supposed to be sending, spending eternity with. If we can't spend eternity with, or if we can't spend down here with them, well, how can we spend eternity with them? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, awesome. Great, great discussions and, and great things um, from the Lord's word. Um, so next week, we are going to continue this, and I do believe, um, so over the first couple of chapters, um, Chris took the wheel there, and, and over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Frank has, and so um, for chapters five and six, I think I'm going to hop in the driver's seat and and um, just lead us in unpacking some of these things, so we do hope you join us um, as we, over the next couple of weeks, conclude this series. Um, we are um, loving this. We hope you are too, and uh, we, again, want to make ourselves available to you in any way possible. Always want to direct you to, as Pastor Frank says, not for our sakes, not for our attention, but we have more resources, more where this came from, if you're at all interested, um, for the perfecting of the saints. Uh, we want to um, be a resource to you, so um, we do appreciate you. Um, we look forward to uh, spending more time with you next time. Until then. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.